and welcome to the podcast, a podcast produced by the College of Applied Science and Technology at Illinois State University. I'm your host, Kara Snyder, and I serve as the Assistant Dean of Marketing, Communications, and Constituent Relations for the College. Each episode, we're sitting down with an alum of the college, and today we have a chance to talk to Keith Cambick. Keith is a Criminal Justice Sciences alum and currently serves as the Senior Director of Security at Willis Tower. Welcome, and thanks for being here. And thank you very much for having me here. I appreciate it. I'm so excited. So let's start at the beginning. Tell me, why did you choose ISU? I chose ISU. So my my original associate's degree was not in criminal justice. It was in nuclear medical technology. Oh, my gosh, that's a mouthful. (laughs) It is. And I quickly realized that, you know, what I was more of a people person rather than a lab person. And uh, during a a time off that I took uh, between uh, my junior college and going to Illinois State, I took a couple of police tests, really found that I liked it. And then that's what really kind of drove me to criminal justice to pursue that avenue. Oh, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Uh, so t- tell me then, you found criminal justice, kind of found your passion here on campus. What stands out to you about that time you spent on campus? What do you miss the most? The quad. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to be honest, I-, I love the quad, especially because the criminal justice building was uh, directly next uh, on the quad. I loved, go- I loved going in and out of there. Um, and I also really enjoyed, um, and I forget Dr. Ralph's name, I believe his name. Oh, yeah. Ralph Weishite. Exactly. Uh, you know, I got a number of years ago uh, to come down and do a mentorship with some of the students. And I was very surprised to see that Dr. Ralph was still teaching at the university. Uh, He's and it was amazing. A, it, he is amazing. And later on throughout the day, as we, we got talking, I found that he uh, that was his first year of teaching at Illinois State when I was there. Oh, wow. OK. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So, you know, that was, that was very interesting to, I think, really kind of see him at the beginning of his career and really almost at the end of his career, because I think that was probably about 33 years later that when I went down to the university or 32 years later. Wow. Oh, that's cool. And I guess the only other thing that stood out um, were the beer riots. <laughs> <laughs> You were on campus at a very interesting time, I think, too. Yeah, I was. I was in, you know, there was no Internet at that point in time. And I remember my parents frantically calling me because they had seen it on the uh, the Chicago news and all those mayhem going on. And was I part of it? And was I okay? But it was it was. Yes, it was an interesting time. And it was a lot of fun to watch as an observer. Oh, I bet. I bet. So you finished your finished your degree. Tell me about that initial job search. What was that like? I really went out uh, to become a police officer. Um, During my time at Illinois State, I had uh, done my internship with a probation office and kind of found, okay, I really wasn't interested in probation and I really wasn't interested in, let's say, um, the prison system, which is kind of really where it was going and, and then law enforcement, right? So I started on the path of law enforcement and I started to take a number of tests again. And at the same time, I was still, um, I guess, pursuing other job leads. And I applied to a number of private agencies at the same time. I had actually gotten accepted by both. I had gotten a, uh, a, I had gotten on the list for the police agency in the town that I grew up in. At the same time, I had gotten a private offer. Um, after consulting with actually a cousin of mine who had been through the law enforcement arena for his entire life, I chose to go into the private sector. And really, that's kind of where it started and it just kept on going. And, you know, I think the great thing about that is that 
the private sector really was in its infancy back then. And then throughout the years, it's gained a lot of maturity. And I was able to grow with that. And I think that was really interesting. And I think it speaks to where the industry is going and the opportunities that criminal justice majors may have outside of the traditional law enforcement, that arena, they can now go to a different arena. Right. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay. So kind of walk me through how you, you made the decision to go into the private sector, kind of give us the cliffs notes of what your career path was like along the way, how you got to your current position. Sure. Uh, You know what? I started off uh, really in retail and warehousing. So it was kind of, um, I don't want to say a part-time cop because you got to get involved in investigations. You got to get involved in all that activity the employees got. And really, I, I found that I had a really interest in it and I excelled at it. And especially when it came to interview and interrogation uh, suspects. Um, the company I'd worked for, which is now defunct, it's a company called Montgomery Ward. It was a retailer for a long time. Uh, they had sent me to a school that had specialized in interviewing and interrogations. So that kind of led me to move throughout the chain, eventually ending up, uh, well, about middle way through, I ended up at the corporate office, uh, which was extremely interesting because I got to learn a lot of other different a- uh, avenues of private security, which would be executive protection, celebrity protection, white collar crime, as that was starting to come around, internet crime, as that was starting to come around, which really was fascinating. And I excelled at it, did that for a number number of years. And then they promoted me out to the Chicago district. So I had about 20 different stores in a warehouse. And we were very, um, very active, obviously, in the uh, metro area of Chicago. But retail late 90s really kind of started to take a turn. You know, you started to see Sears going down and you started to see a lot of these companies going down. And I think it was around 1998, 1999, the job market was extremely hot. And I had decided that I probably needed to make the transition out of retail into a different facet of security. And I think a lot of people, you get pigeonholed that you think, okay, this is the only thing that I can do. Despite yourself, I want to say, you're actually able to do more than you think. So I had applied as a security consultant for an international firm. To be honest, I didn't have a lot of the qualifications. They wanted to be speak uh, a second language. They wanted me to have international experience. I, I didn't have any of that. And again, despite myself, they actually hired me. And that really changed my career because not only was I, I focused where I was focused on retail before and perhaps investigations and some physical security, I was now working for a firm that we did everything and we worked for everyone. Um, It was a big international firm um, and that gave me a lot of exposure. And it kind of taught me that maybe there's different avenues to go. And then lo and behold, 9-11 occurred. And previous to 9-11, I had worked for the agency. And generally, Kara, we were, I guess, uh, a design build type of agency that would go in and help out corporations. But 9-11 kind of really changed that as to the security face of the nation really to be more proactive rather than reactive. So our client base quickly changed and commercial real estate um, became a big client of ours. The different buildings around the country due to 9-11, especially in areas where maybe necessarily they didn't necessarily think that they had these issues, right? Chicago, we never really thought that that would be an issue in Chicago, Atlanta so forth. 
So we started to branch out to all these different markets. And um, one of my clients actually happened to be my current employer, which is a Blackstone uh, EQ office. And they, at the time, they had, I was their uh, consultant for the Aon Center uh, here in downtown Chicago, which is the second tallest building in the city. And I had, throughout their process, uh, we had basically suggested that they needed to upgrade their level of director for security because the face of the nation was changing. And I guess traditionally what you needed before was not necessarily what you needed in the future. And lo and behold, uh, the owners of the building said, well, we'd like to hire you as a security director. And at that point in time, I had been on the road for four years as a consultant and pretty much out every week. My kids were young. I found this a new avenue that would be very interesting. I could be home every night, learn a whole new area. So we went in there and uh, we changed, I guess, the face of security because after 9-11, everybody's knee-jerk reaction, Kara, was to put manpower on. I'm sure you saw this, uh, you know, people doing searches. And really, that was a short-term fix. Uh, You need a long-term fix. And in commercial real estate, we needed to walk a fine line between really taking care of our customers and great customer service because that's ultimately what they're here for but also providing them a safe and secure environment. So we completely changed the face at the AN Center to where they became very successful. Um, That garnered some attention here at the time Sears Tower, um, which I believe was 2003, and the owners then uh, began a recruitment um, campaign to bring me over here because the previous security director had left. Uh, that had taken them through 9-11, but they hadn't done that transition from that hard security into the well-defined customer service security that we ultimately needed to go to. Throughout that process, ultimately, they were, um, I was, I accepted the position here at the Sears Tower then and kind of helped them reface the building. Um, And that was 18 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. And I have to tell you, Keith, I had to coach myself. It's Willis Tower. It's Willis Tower because I think, you know, there's still part of me that desperately wants to call it the Sears Tower. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a part of everybody that's, that wants to call that. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. That is so interesting. I love to hear about your progression. And what really stood out to me was your decision to apply for that international firm despite not having all the qualifications. Because I think that is something that can hold people back, whether they are students getting ready to graduate or people at maybe in their mid-career as you were. So what made you take that leap? What made you say, hey, I can do most of this and I'm ready and willing to learn the rest of it? I mean, because it seems like that was a real turning point for you. That was a real turning point because, you know, to your point, Kara, you really kind of have to not forget everything that you did before and almost become an infant again and start over. Um, but I, I I just didn't see myself staying in retail for my entire career mm-hmm. because I really saw, you know, I really, I mean, it's I, I wouldn't say it's funny, it's ironic. Amazon, which is a mail order company, is the same as Sears, which was a mail order company. Um, and I kind of saw that that face was changing and it, it wasn't going to go back. So I needed to get out. And as difficult as, as it was, because I loved my career uh, at, uh, in retail, um, I felt it was necessary for both myself to grow and also to take care of my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you reach a point, I think, where you're weighing the comfort of what you know and the maybe uncomfortability of what you don't yet know. But that's exciting, too, right, to kind of 
push and move forward? Exciting and scary. I would tell you for probably the first six months that I did the job, I walked in every single day going, wow, why did they hire me? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but ultimately, you know what you learn? Uh, and, and that was uh, 25 years ago. You, you learn that your older leaders, they actually know better. And they've learned that in a lot of cases, if you've got somebody that has the basics, it's almost better than having somebody that has such staunch knowledge because it's harder to mold them, right? Mm -hmm. It's much easier to, you know, to your point about new students, don't ever undervalue or underestimate your, your worth to a company because you're a new product and they see that as a new product. And ultimately they can shape you the way they want to shape you. So I, I think it was a good, good uh, risk. And I will tell you, I, I think it has paid off for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So share with us, you know, because we have listeners from across the college and university, not just criminal justice students. So kind of tell us what, what is a day in the life like? What happens when you show up to the Willis Tower in the morning? <laughs> well, it starts, it starts at 4.30 in the morning because I live really far away from here. So I can oh, okay. <laughs> You know what? We are in a very exciting time right now, Kara. Uh, if you haven't visited the tower in the last couple of years, uh, we have transformed it. So, you know, the building uh, was built in the early 70s. And back then, office spaces were meant to be fortresses. They weren't. They were meant to be for office people, not tourists, not outside people, not people wandering through. And, and again, just like retail, that's kind of changing. And I think it's changing due to what the generations are requesting and wanting, right? They're, they're, it's a more open feeling. So about, well, let me see, five years ago, we began a $600 million renovation on the building. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So um, we're literally just finishing up at this point in time. Um, COVID did help us because we were able to continue with construction during that point in time. But we ended up adding about 500,000 square feet of an entertainment complex. I'm hoping a lot of your listeners out there have been to my sky deck on the 103rd floor, world top <laughs> attraction, right? So um, our company recognized that we have 2 million captive, captive people coming into the billion building just to go to the tour, tourist uh, attraction every year, right? And then in addition to that, all the tenants are coming in. So we wanted to build them an all-encompassing experience to come into the building. Um, so if you come into your into our building in the morning, you can get breakfast, you can get lunch, you can get your cleaning, uh, you can go to the gym, you oh, can go wow. to the, you can go to the bar. Um, so we've really kind of transformed into what would be a traditional nine to five building to really more. I wouldn't say twenty four hour building, but certainly a lot longer hours. So my day really kind of starts with um, reviewing the previous day's incidents, um, if there are any, um, you know, because we do deal with the public quite a bit. <laughs> there are a lot of interactivity with the security force and also um, the public. So I'll review those. Um, we are currently, and I I think this has really been a huge accomplishment of mine is, you know, I'm almost 60 years old and we are stepping into a lot of new technology. Uh, so my days are filled with a learning it and trying to figure out all the acronyms that they use. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm going to tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about the different things that is really going to happen in the future not only from security, life safety, but then also a customer service standpoint. 
so a, a good example would be right now is I'm looking at uh, AI, artificial intelligence, and we're looking at it from non-traditional security way. Um, yes, I do want to know whether or not there's any packages, whether it slips and falls and all these kind of things. Um, but at the same point in time, I'm able to really kind of show value to my boss to make these investments. So one particular example would be um, we used uh, we were experimenting with some AI that did occupancy counting out on Jackson Street, which is one of the busiest streets in the city of Chicago. And we actually have an open retailer there right now that we're trying to lease. So I, I put a line across the sidewalk to count people coming back and forth. And I did it for three months. And, and I went to my boss and I said, do you know that in three months we had 850,000 people cross that line? Wow. And he, his eyes, just like yours, lit up. Okay. And, but he looked at it from a business perspective. Because if you're a restaurateur, that's 850,000 sets of eyes that you can sell your product to. Um, so I will tell you that right now, a lot of my day is filled with both the technology side, but then also trying to provide value to the rest of the company through the technology that we've invested in in the last couple of years. Oh, that's Pretty very exciting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, and my next question for you is, what is the favorite part of your job? Do you have one? Is it the technology? Is it something else? People. 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 You, you know, um, I don't Maybe if you're a scientist like I was going to be, you don't necessarily need to be a, that great of a people person. But I would say almost in anything that you do after you get out of college, you got to be a people person. And mm -hmm. um, I personally love people. Um, I, and particularly, I, I love uh, the staff that I have working for me. I have over 100 uh, different security staff, receptionists, off-duty police officers that work for me. And being able to interact with them on a daily basis is fantastic. But then it even excites me even more because just like I've done for Illinois State in the mentoring sessions, we're hiring all these new kids, right? And they're starting fresh off. And maybe a lot of the kids, this is just a job for them. I really enjoy getting them. And what I like to say is taking that rough piece of coal and polishing it into a diamond. Because that really, to me, is the true success of any leader. Is that, you know, what do they always say? When you get to the top of the stairs, you got to turn around and help the next person up. That's where I'm at at my point in career. So that's really what I have enjoyed the most in the last couple of years, is getting... Getting the young people ready to be the future of security. Oh, I love life. that. I love that. Because my, and actually my next question for you is what is your leadership philosophy when you have that many people reporting to you? Um, but I think what you said about turning around and helping the next person up, I think that's really wonderful. Tell me about the challenges of being in a leadership position like that. I would say specifically, and I think most people know this right now, um, the last couple of years have been extremely tough. Um, you know, you have the quiet quitting going on. You have increased wages going on. Um, and hiring in, has been a challenge. Uh, let us just say that. Uh, so I think that... <laughs> across the industries, yes. Across the industry, across everything, it has been a challenge. But again, I'm going to go back to my original point. You know... It, how do I want to say this delicately? Too many of the older generations blame the younger generation that they don't know what they're doing. I think the exact opposite. I was that younger generation coming out of college. I didn't know what I was doing, but somebody took me and guided me. Um, so it is a challenge, but I think it's it's really, it's a challenge that can be um, 
it can be conquered, to tell you the truth. Um, it takes time. It takes effort. Um, it's certainly not how it used to be, let's say, in 2007 to 2008 when we went through a recession and we were able to hire really great people. Uh, and not that these aren't great people. It's just a, a different set and different needs that you have to go. But that's, to me, that's part of being a leader. You got to be able to mold whatever whatever group you're dealing with to be those future leaders and recognize, I guess, their, their shortcomings. But at the same time, taking those positives that they do have. And if it's only even one or two, right, Kara? Exploiting those one or two, making them feel great about themselves. My other part of my, uh, my management style, don't micromanage. You will, never, you, you will never allow people to really fulfill their self-satisfaction where they're going to go in life because you have your own goals and you won't let them touch that. Um, you know, we have a saying here, if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying. I love that. I love that. And I think you're so right, because if you have done your due diligence hiring, you have theoretically hired people that are experts in their field, right? And you should be able to let them go and do their thing and do it well without needing to micromanage, which allows you to operate at a higher level too. So really everybody wins. Absolutely. Um, and, and again, I think it's just, you're allowing them to grow so that when you, you know, when I leave this position, there will be many people that will be qualified to take my job. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is the biggest compliment as a leader. Absolutely. What a legacy, right, that you are setting up. That's Yo. exciting. <laughs> so one thing you mentioned, um, quiet quitting. I think that's such an interesting conversation these days. So tell me what that looks like in your industry, because I think we hear a lot about it, but we also hear that people are just desperately trying to preserve a little bit of work-life balance. And so what does that look like? You know, and from your industry's perspective, what are you seeing? The quiet quitting? Well, you know, I think it's I, previously here in the last two years, it was a challenge. I mean, you would, you, you, you would have... An example would be, and it even starts before quiet quitting. You might set up three interviews and literally only one person shows up. And then it would even go further that let's say you go ahead and hire that one person and then they either come for a day, they don't come at all, or they come for three months and six months. And then ultimately they find, because right now, or there used to be a lot of job offers, right? Um, they were able to just jump ship and go somewhere else. Um, mm -hmm. But I think again, that really comes back to the leadership of the team in getting them to recognize that, yes, okay, let's say I can make more money at a different facility, right? Or a different place. But eventually, I guess there comes a point in time where money is not everything and getting them to recognize that, I guess, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know, right? And mm -hmm. that, that little <laughs> bit of jump over there may, may not be the best uh, thing for you personally, and certainly the best thing for you is in a career path also. So I, again, I think it's just you have to get out there and really show the value of working for your organization rather than going to the next organization. And if somebody, you know, it comes down to recognizing is somebody stagnant? Is somebody bored? Is somebody unhappy? And how do you address that? You know, it's, I guess I, I guess 36 years ago when I graduated from Illinois State, did I ever think that I would be a HR manager, part-time HR manager, and all this other stuff, not dealing with these issues? Um, probably not, but it, it is just part of the job. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I think we are battling a little bit of that. Is the grass always greener, you know, versus like you said, investing in your current company and and finding out if you're bored, can you change your situation? I think that's a great point. Right. And and, and again, just showing them that, the, you know, my supervisory staff here, every single one of them has all started as security officers for me. Every single one of them. And we're very proud of that because we're showing mobility from within inside the structure, right? I'm not going, I don't need to go to the outside. There's plenty of people here on the inside. You have to give effort. We have to give effort. And you have to show them a path. And recognizing that they're bored, maybe recognizing that they're they're not happy at their current position, you got to recognize that. You got to talk to your people. And then when you, you realize that, then you got to take some actions. You may not be able to do everything, but I, I think as a manager, you try to get, right? You walk that line and get 50-50. Well, congratulations, because I think that speaks to the environment that you've created, too, that people are seeking out those opportunities. They want to stay with your company. I think that's that's commendable. So congratulations to you on that. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> so my next set of questions for you is really just fun. We're going to finish with a lightning round, and I just want you to go with your first instinct on these questions. So the first one I have for you, I think I know the answer to given your wake up time, but are you a morning person or a night owl? <laughs> well, I'm, I, let me tell you this. I used to be a night owl. Now I'm forced to be a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> a self-made morning person. Yeah, I love exactly. it. <laughs> and, and, and really, it, it is a great time because you, if you get into the office early, there's nobody here. I get to see the sunrise over Lake Michigan. How many people get to see that? Um, and you get so many things accomplished. Absolutely. Absolutely. So texting or talking, what's your preference? Uh, talking. Coffee or tea? Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I was going to say with a 4.30 wake up call, there has to be a beverage of choice. I just need to know. <laughs> Favorite season? Oh, my God. Summer all day and all night. I'm very unhappy right now. <laughs> I'm with you. Winter's coming. <laughs> yes, it is. We call it the dark season up here. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite thing to cook for dinner? Pizza. Pizza. Homemade pizza, pizza crust and everything? No. <laughs> no. But let's not go too crazy. But no, I, I, I love making pizza. Uh, my um, my. My sister and my brother-in-law owned, owned, actually, they still currently own a number of uh, carry-out pizza places. I worked for them during college. Actually, my summers in college, I spent working for them. Kind of kept that love up, so pizza. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So, yeah, you know what it takes to make a good pizza then. That's awesome. What's the best trip you've ever taken? Um, well, I just took a wonderful trip where... It was a life goal to take my family, my kids, and their spouses to the Dominican Republic. And it wasn't necessarily the Dominican Republic. It was just to a, a vacation. Um, but I was fortunate enough to take them all on a vacation as adults. And there was nothing more satisfying than that. Oh, that sounds very special. That's awesome. And then I have to know, Avanti's Gondola or Pub 2 Cheese Balls? Oh, Avanti's. <laughs> all day and all night. Actually, we uh, when I was down there last weekend, uh, I noticed that they had moved their location out they away from the two university. locations. Oh, OK. Yep. Yep. So still the one on Main Street. And then they have one out by the airport now, too. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's where we are. We're out by the airport. Yeah. So now, more to, for all. Right. And if you were thrown in, uh, what was the pizza place that they used to have the gut busters? You probably weren't there, but there was a 
Was that Garcia's? Garcia's. <laughs> Garcia's rules over everybody. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. My last question for you. If you could give one piece of advice to a college student, what would you say? Don't think you can't change the world. Because I will tell you, quite honestly, I was not a great student at Illinois State. I graduated, but from an academic standpoint, it, let's say it wasn't my first priority. But when I got out, I didn't let that cloud my mind. I felt that I could accomplish anything. And with that effort and with people giving me the opportunity, quite honestly, Kara, I've achieved a level that I would have never thought when I graduated from Illinois State in 1986. Well, you certainly make us very proud that you're a Redbird, and it's been awesome to see everything you've accomplished, and I really enjoyed hearing your story today. Uh, so thanks again for being here and taking time to talk with us. So that was Keith Kambick, Senior Director of Security at Willis Tower. Join us next time on the podcast for more stories from our cast alumni.